Hey guys, what's up? And welcome back for another episode of the Matthew Spazzini program where we talk about financial freedom and economics. So guys, I uh, hope you guys are having a great week this week. You know, we got a few, uh, I have two articles that I kind of want to talk about. Both of them are from Zero Hedge. One is the Fed is planning to send money directly to Americans in the next crisis. And the other one is it, it's now virtually impossible to get a bank loan as lending standards soar. So let's go ahead and talk about the, the second one that I just mentioned about how it's how it's becoming virtually impossible. It's getting harder and harder to get a, a bank loan. Um, the more and more that these standards for banks end up, uh, so, you know, end up soaring and rising. Uh, some people are saying that like loan provision, loss provisions and stuff, they're rising higher than that of 2008, 2009, and that standards are rising largely to a very, very similar height that we saw in the financial crisis the last time. And, you know, they're halting most loans, at least in terms of, for the, so the, the article here says that the bank hinted, JP Morgan hinted that things are about to get much worse when it first halted all non-paycheck protection program-based loans issuance for the foreseeable future. Basically all non-government lo- guaranteed loans, because as we said, the only reason why JP Morgan would temporarily suspend all non-government backstop loans, such as the PPP, as if the banks expect a default tsunami to hit coupled with a full-blown depression that wipes out the value of any and all assets pledged to collateralize the loans. So, you know, I thought that that whole, uh, you know, statement there was pretty clear. Banks are lending less and less. Some banks, uh, JP Morgan in particular, will not lend you a mortgage unless you put 20% down and you have a credit score of 700. I don't know about you guys, but beforehand, it was really more of a, you had to have a 620 FICO score and a 5% down, not a 20% down. That's pretty incredible. So banks appear, according to this article, banks, and I'll, and I'll go ahead and post it in the in the description below if you guys want to uh, go and read this article and things of that nature, but banks are tightening their standards. They're tightening their lending. They're tightening their belts. This is something that we saw very much in the 2008 financial crisis last time where they suspended HELOCs. They made it harder for you to get a mortgage. They made it harder for you to get a car loan. They weren't just lending money out as as much as they you know, as much as they pleased, you know, they stopped lending money out, particularly if you were a high risk of not paying that back. So one of the reasons I wanted to bring this up was because I really feel like this is, this is telling, you know, for a little while here, I've been saying that the, um, the, the crash is not over. The recession is not over. In fact, it's going to get worse and it very well may get as bad as a depression, a full-blown depression. These are telling signs. When you see banks do this, this is a telling sign that they do not have a very optimistic future-oriented look into the future. They don't have an optimistic opinion. They have a very pessimistic opinion. They're not lending out loans like they were before. This is, again, a very, very telling sign, yet again, that the, the, the economy is not going to be recovering quickly the economy more than likely is going to descend into either a deeper recession and some may even call it a depression. Now, I don't tell you this to make you guys depressed and I don't tell you this to to make you guys worried, but I I tell you this because you need to understand the risks that are actually out there. 
okay? There are a, there's a lot that we need to understand here, and there is a ton of stuff that ultimately needs to have a, a light shine on it, and this is one of them. Not only is the unemployment rate rising and that people that are unemployed and the number of people that are taking unemployment benefits, not only is all of that rising, the PPP loans are coming to a, to a, a head here. We very well may see them get stopped. Uh, so far, uh, there has been no news of it being extended. However, it probably will be extended, right? So far, we don't know 100% whether or not they're going to be extended or not, and the $600 weekly you know, federal government unemployment checks haven't been renewed like they were supposed to. They were supposed to be renewed July 31st, and they're still in talks. Now, odds are, you know, they're going to continue with some form of stimulus, otherwise the wheels on this cart are going to totally, on the economy, are going to totally fall off. That's definitely going to happen. Um if they don't continue some form of stimulus. So I have a tendency to think that although they're late, some people are saying that, well, you know, that's gone. We're not doing that anymore. I don't know. I have a tendency to think that maybe they're they're really, really late, but I, I there is a possibility that they're still going to uh, still do something. They're just doing it very, very late. Now, granted, I, I don't know for sure, okay? I really don't know 100% if that's actually going to happen or not. Um, that's just my estimation. They could be totally done. I have no idea. But, you know, the, 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 the main point of this here, guys, is that when the banks start, I mean, the banks historically lend money out frivolously. They lend money to people who they who do not deserve that money because they have not managed their finances well. They do not have the cash flow to justify those loans. They lend out money to people for very frivolous items that are, they just, they lend out money very loosely. When times are good, banks have very loose standards with regards to lending money out. But when things start to tighten, when things start to get worse, you start seeing the banks tighten their belts and they stop doing HELOCs, which are home equity lines of credit, by the way. They stop doing car loans, or at least they tighten the restrictions. They make it harder for you to get a mortgage. They make it harder for you to get a, a car loan. They make it harder for you to do these types of things. And the main reason they do this is because they want to reduce as much risk as possible and they, they don't have a positive expectancy of future events. They don't think that the economy in the future is going to be, at least in the near future, is going to be positive again. You know, so when the bank starts to do these types of things, like with the HELOCs, for example, they're saying that uh, they're not going to be lending HELOCs out anymore. They stopped accepting new home equity lines of credit. Again, this is for JP Morgan, okay? But other banks are going to follow. JP Morgan is a very large bank. Um, it's not just going to be JP Morgan because JP because they're in a bad strait. No, 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 no. This is going to be a this is going to be a very consistent thing that you start to see as we get further and further into this. Um, you're not going to see just one large bank doing it. You're going to see a lot of banks doing it. And across the board, a lot of banks are tightening their belts. They are doing they are upping their standards and their restrictions for what they lend out loans. But with regards to JP Morgan, the HELOCs, they have paused of in effect lending HELOCs out and they didn't give any end date as to when they would end the pause. That's pretty telling. That means that they, in short, JP Morgan appeared to be quietly 
exiting the origination of all interest income generating revenue streams over fears of the coming recession, which prompted us to ask just how bad will the U.S. depression get over the next few months if J.P. Morgan has just put up a closed indefinitely sign on its window. Okay, that was a direct quote from the article. Probably should have said that before I actually started talking about the article. But guys, this is telling. This is not good. All right. I mean, I'll read this other bit here. On Monday, we got confirmation that it was not just JP Morgan, but all U.S. commercial banks that are making the issuance of almost all new credit with other, with one notable exception, virtually impossible. When the Fed's July senior loan officer survey, survey showed that banks tightened lending standards across the board for CNI, commercial and industrial loans, CRE, commercial real estate, consumer credit card and auto loans, and residential real estate RRE loans. The loan standards for most products such as CNI, again, commercial and industry loans, residential mortgages and credit cards were hiked so much they nearly matched the standards during the financial crisis when it was virtually impossible to get any new loans. And of course, they have a, a chart here that you guys can go see if you guys are interested in it. But guys, this is, this is uh, very concerning. This is very concerning. It, you know, if this is if this article is true, and I, I firmly believe that it is, this is a very, very, very concerning thing. This is a sign that we are not out of the recession. In fact, the recession is more than likely going to get worse. And it may even, again, develop into a full-blown recession. Okay, so in the end, again... Know the risks and plan accordingly, like I always say at the end of every single episode. But guys, I, I think we're not done. I think it's going to get worse. I think we're going to dive deeper into this recession. And like I said, I think there is a very real possibility of a full-blown depression. And it's nothing that the government can hold off indefinitely. If they try to, via inflation, monetary inflation, which would lead to, and then injecting it into the market, which would cause price inflation, again, if they try and attempt to do that, they will cause inflation, they will cause more problems than what they intend to solve. Which brings me to the last article here that I wanted to talk about today. The Fed is planning, again, from Zero Hedge, to send money directly to Americans in the next crisis. Okay, this, this is some scary, scary, scary stuff. So I'm going to start reading this article. I'm not going to read the whole thing here. But overall, basically, initially what they're going to say is that the Federal Reserve's initial um, method of trying to increase inflation, you, remember, they want to, to inflation. They want to increase it. That is their mandate. Their mandate is a 2% inflation rate every single year, and yet they almost always exceed that, okay? But you need to understand that, well, first and foremost, the, the, the CPI, the Consumer Price Index metric that they use to measure inflation is flawed. It's deeply flawed. It doesn't really work. So that's another thing to, to identify that if you're looking at the CPI, you're not going to see a lot of things go higher in, in terms of pr prices. But when it comes to the Fed's normal modus operandi, when it comes to their, their normal mode of operation, a lot of the, the tactics they have used in the past have been really unfruitful. You know, they've been giving money to banks and banks haven't exactly been spending that money necessarily. It hasn't been trickling down to the consumer, which is really what the Fed wants. The Fed wants to the money to go to the consumer because they know that the consumer is going to spend. And when you inject money into the economy and you inject it straight into the consumer, the consumer is going to inject that money straight into the economy. 
and they're going to give the money right back to the rich and the wealthy, which will ultimately leave prices because you have more a higher supply of money going for the same amount of goods. And because the goods hasn't exactly rised with the demand, you see the higher amount of money that is being spent is you can, you can say that that is demand. And as that goes higher, but the supply stays the same, guess what? The supply of money starts to fall or the value of the money starts to fall. The value of the money starts to decline in contrast to the supply of whatever it is you're buying. The, 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 the value of the supply, the, the, the price starts to rise because there's more money going after the same number of goods and maybe even less goods in some cases. This is what causes prices to rise. This is what causes inflation. Inflation is the product of two things, monetary inflation, and then you you increase the, mon the supply of money, and then you inject it. You circulate it into the economy. Once the money starts to circulate, it causes price inflation. Okay, that's how inflation happens. We, we've talked about this in, in other episodes, and that's how it happens. In fact, I think the last episode I actually covered this. Okay, price inflation is the product of two things, monetary inflation and then the circulation of that money into the economy. Uh, and the reason I say this is because, you know, if you were to simply print the money and stick it under your mattress, it would have no effect whatsoever because that money hasn't been circulated. It's not going, it hasn't caused an increase in the demand because you never spent it. It only causes an increase in the demand when you start to spend it, right? So, and when you increase demand at the same, at a higher rate than supply, you're going to get price inflation. Now, a lot of people will say, okay, well, M Matthew, couldn't you increase supply at the exact same rate as demand? Um, you know, if you could do that, you might stave off infl price inflation. But here's the truth of the matter, okay? You cannot increase supply, or at least at... I shouldn't say you cannot, okay? As far as my knowledge goes, I don't think that it's very likely that you're going to be able to increase the demand, uh, supply at the same rate of demand. When you can simply just print money and then give it to people and tell them to go spend it, you can do that a lot faster than you can push through a product through a manufacturer, a manufacturing process. Okay, so I mean, you can create money faster than you can create cars. You can create money faster than you can build houses. You can create money faster than you can create pencils, for that matter. Okay, because the money takes very little amount of time. So, anyways, let's go ahead and read this here. Uh, over the past decade, the one common theme, despite the political upheaval, upheaval and growing social and geopolitical instability, was that the market would keep marching higher and the Fed would continue injecting liquidity into the system. So, this is a fancy. What does the term liquidity mean? It's a very fancy term, but more or less, what liquidity means is just injecting money. Okay, if something is liquid, it means you can sell it because there's money to buy whatever it is you're selling. So a let's see, an exchange traded fund, which actually I just introduced another really fancy term. If you guys don't understand this, uh, please forgive me. I'll, I'll walk you through it. An exchange traded fund, an ETF, is a very popular thing for people to invest in. Lots of 401ks are in them, and what they are is an exchange traded fund is is basically a pool of money that tons of investors throw money into. And an investment firm manages that money and distributes that money into lots of different sectors of the economy, lots of different stocks and stuff. You might have like 6% allocation to like, I don't know, tech. So Apple, Google, Microsoft, stuff like that, maybe NVIDIA. 
And then you might have like a one or two percent, you know, allocation of that money that other investors basically pooled together. You can kind of think of it like crowdfunding in a way. Um, and but anyways, that a, a one to two percent could go into I don't know energy, the energy sector or the banking sector. And I'm just throwing out percentages. Honestly, the 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 percentage allocations are going to be different. And when I mean allocate, that means they're taking a certain portion of the fund, of the money that all the investors have pooled together, and then distributed that to other part to other companies right in the form of buying their shares and and owning a certain number of shares and maybe even owning a certain number of bonds and things like that so it kind of depends on what kind of exchange traded fund you're in but an exchange traded fund in good times is highly liquid it means it's easy to buy and sell you can get in and you can get out of it normally liquidity is talked it, it really liquidity is is largely referred to when you're talking about selling something Okay, like a house. If you were to invest in a home, a house is a very illiquid product. What that means, an asset. It means that you cannot sell it very quickly. So you can, you're not going to be able to buy it fast. You're not going to be able to sell it fast. But again, liquidity is normally, you know, in reference to how quickly you can sell something. So a car is not very liquid. Okay, a a table is not very liquid. Okay, you want to be able to sell something within seconds. All right, that would be very popular stocks that would be very popular ETFs things of that nature are highly liquid you can get in and out of those assets very very quickly in good economic times okay in bad economic times liquidity dries up nobody wants to buy anything and if the fed doesn't come in and start buying stuff or start giving money to a financial firm like investment firm like BlackRock and tells them to go buy stuff you know effectively if you don't do that then, you know, the stocks are going to crash because no one's buying. So that's what liquidity means. They're injecting money into the system. The second common theme is that despite sparking unprecedented asset price inflation, price as measured across the broader economy, at least using the flawed CPI metric, would remain subdued. As a reminder, the Fed is desperate to ignite broad inflation as that is the only way the countless trillions of excess debt can be eliminated and yet it has so far failed to do so. Guys, this is one of the a major economic principle that you need to understand. When you see a country like the United States or many European nations and they have all these uh programs where we're going to give you money, we're going to give you a house, you know, welfare programs, we're going to pay for your medic your your medical costs and stuff free of charge, you know, whatever. You don't have to worry about it or, you know, hey, we're going to give you money when you lose a job so that or we're going to give your business money when you when the business is not doing well so that they can con continue to employ you. Guys, this requires money. The and the government doesn't produce any money on its own. The government just steals money from the economy, from everyday people and businesses, and then redirects it. But that, so that we that we call that its tax revenue. But then the government doesn't even have the ability; they don't even have enough money to continue to do this. So guess what they have to do? They have to go. They have to create more money. How do they do this? A lot of times, and historically, they did this by the, having the Treasury Department create bonds. Treasury bonds and treasury bills and the Federal Reserve would simply go on the market and buy those treasury bonds and treasury bills. Now, the Federal Reserve doesn't have any 
authority to actually print money. So what they do is they basically just take those treasury bonds and treasury bills. They type in a bunch of ones and zeros on the on the computer, and they basically just take those onto their asset sheets, their balance sheets, if you will. And that has the artificial effect of artificially increasing the monetary supply, artificially increasing money. Okay, even though no real physical money has actually been created. So you're effectively generating money out of thin air. Now, that said, though, when you see countries do this, where they're spending a lot more than what they're bringing in in tax revenue, it means that they're going into debt to do it. They're either printing money physically or they are printing money digitally. They're doing some fancy roundabout way of doing it, but they are effectively giving money to people. One of the ways in which banks can lend money out, because today, banks really don't have much in the way of money. They lend out the vast majority of money they have, although now that they're tightening their belts, that's, that's changing. But that will only be for a time, okay? What tends to happen is that as they can, the way, the way that they actually can lend money and the reason they do this without having any money on hand, you need to understand the way a traditional bank used to work and without a fractional reserve system is you could only lend out money that you actually had in savings. So you had to have lots of people come in and lots of people had to give you money for savings. How they attracted this money was high interest rates on the savings accounts. Okay. And then as they attracted more and more savings with a high interest rate uh, savings account, they would, in effect, lend that money out to businesses, to entrepreneurs, and that's how it would work. Now, in fractional reserve banking, it causes inflation because what happens is that they lend out money they don't have. In fact, they only keep a certain percentage, like 10% or 3% in cash reserves to cover all the loans that they have. Now, what happens... In this now recently, actually, ever since the start of the, the the financial crisis, the Fed actually told the banks to lend everything out. Don't care about the reserves. We don't. We're not worried about that anymore. Lend it out, and that's what the banks were told to do. And as they continue to do this, when you lend out money you don't have, you are artificially creating the monetary, artificially inflating the monetary supply. You are, you are causing monetary inflation. You're injecting it into the economy, giving it to businesses, giving it to other people, which creates price inflation. Now, here is the thing to keep in mind, though. How are the banks able to do this? If they don't have any money to lend out, how can they take this kind of risk? They're lending out a lot of money that they don't have. What happens if there's a run on the bank? What happens if everybody comes to the bank one day and says, I want my money back? That's what a run on the bank is. You actually see this uh, in, in uh, Mary Poppins. If you watch Mary Poppins, uh, when the kids basically say, I want my money, and then everybody else starts asking for their money, that's, called, that's effectively a, a fun way of, of illustrating a run on the bank. And it caused the bank a lot of money. So the bank closes up. The bank takes bank holidays. The government's, you know, and that's effectively what happens. Now, what, why would the bank lend out money that they don't have? Largely because the Federal Reserve gives them the money. They say, look, if you get into any straight, any issues, we won't let you fail. We'll actually print you money. We'll give you money. We'll take taxpayer dollars either in the form of inflation because inflation is a hidden tax. Okay. Make no mistake. If your tax rate is not going up, inflation is the hidden tax that nobody talks about. So it's incredibly, incredibly important that you understand this, that inflation is is a tax. So either they are paying it via inflation, so they're paying it via taxation with taxpayer dollars, 
Actually, that's the only way that they would play. I don't even know why I said either, because that's the only way. They're either going to pay for that with either with increased taxes or they're going to pay for that by going further into debt, which therefore they're going to have to inflate the monetary supply so that they can pay back that debt with inflated worthless money. So every single time, any time you see a government consume, basically spend their money on more than they bring in and they start going into debt, they are inflationists. They want to cause inflation. They have to cause inflation. They have to because if they don't, there's no way of ever paying that debt off. So this is the inevitable, inevitable outcome. The number one thing you need to take away is that if the governments are doing this, it is inevitable. I don't care who you are. I don't care whether you are a full-blown PhD economist. It is inevitable. They will have to print the money. They will have to find some way of engaging in monetary inflation so that they, and they have to devalue the currency so that they can pay back the trillions upon trillions of excess debt because it's the only way that it's going to be eliminated. This is why the European Union, in my opinion, will not live forever because the European Union is doing this. There are tons and tons of other countries that are inside the European Union as well, like Italy, like France, okay? These count, even Greece, remember with the whole Greek, you know, money debacle, banking debacle? Basically, these governments are, are have so many welfare programs. They have so many uh, benefits that they are giving to the people that the only that they don't bring in that much money via revenue. So the only way to get that money is for those countries to go into debt. And the countries can go into debt all they want, but they can't inflate their currency in order to pay that debt back. That said, let's go ahead and continue to read here. The lament is that even as the economy was desperately in need of a massive liquidity tsunami, the funds created by the Fed and Treasury, now this, the U.S. operates under a quasi-modern monetary theory regime, MMT regime, did not make their way to those who need them the most, and consumers, which is why we read with great interest a Bloomberg interview published on Saturday with two former central bank officials, Simon Potter, who led the Federal Reserve Bank of New York's market group. He was the head of the Fed's plunge protection team for years. And Julia Coronado, who spent year eight years as an economist for the Fed's Board of Governors, who are among the innovators brainstorming solutions to what has emerged as the most crucial and difficult problem facing the Fed. Get money swiftly to people who need it most in a crisis. The response was striking. They too propose creating a monetary tool that they call recession insurance bonds, which draw on some of the advances in digital payments, which will be wired instantly to Americans. As Coronado explains the details, Congress would grant the Federal Reserve an additional tool for providing support, say a percent of GDP in a lump sum that would be divided equally and distributed to households in a recession. Recession insurance bonds would be zero coupon security. Zero coupon is another fancy word of saying zero interest rate. Okay, it's a zero interest rate um, bond. Okay, a security would be like a bond or a stock or something like that. A contingent asset of households that would basically lie in wait. The trigger could be reaching the zero bound on interest rates or as economist Claudia Sam has proposed, a 0.5 percentage point increase in the unemployment rate. The Fed would then activate the securities and deposit the funds digitally in household apps. As Potter then elucidates, it took Congress too long to get money to people and it's too clunky. Clunky. 
We need a separate infrastructure. The Fed could buy the bonds quickly without going to the private market on March 15th. They could have said interest rates are now at zero. We're activating X amount of the bonds and we'll be tracking the unemployment rate. If it increases above this level, we'll buy more. The bonds will be on the asset side of the Fed's balance sheet. The digital dollars in people's accounts will be on the liability side. And that... The article says, in a nutshell, is how the Fed will stimulate the economy in the next crisis in hopes of circumventing the reserve creation process. It will use digital money apps, which explains the Fed's recent fascination with cryptocurrency and digital money, to transfer money directly to U.S. consumers. Guys, this is an incredibly dangerous, dangerous thing that the Fed is doing. So basically, they're going to create these recession insurance bonds, which have a zero interest rate. Remember, a zero coupon rate is zero interest rate. And then whenever the economy, whenever we hit a certain unemployment level or a percentage point of, let's say, you know, unemployment, or if we hit a certain interest rate, let's say interest rates, we lower to zero bound or below the zero bound, meaning we go negative, which is absolutely something that's going to occur again. Then by doing all these things, then they will inject money into anyone who has these apps, which will, or this app, which will effectively give money directly into the consumer's bank account. Guys, this is scary. Okay. This will cause inflation, high inflation, if they do this. Okay, this is, you need to be aware of this, all of this. A, banks are tightening up their lending. We're not out of the financial crisis. We're probably going to get worse. And B, now the Fed is talking about possibly distributing money directly into the hands of the people via helicopter money and totally sidestepping basically Congress and the government. Because it's too slow and too clunky. Look, the fact remains is that this is destructive. This will cause inflation. Now, there's a lot of people out there that are going to recommend that you buy gold or silver or, or real estate or something. Look, a lot. Look, silver is the poor man's gold. If you don't have a lot of money, silver is a great way to do it. I personally have silver. Look, I'm not going to give recommendations as to what you should and should not do. And I know that's not what you want to hear. You probably want to hear me give you a recommendation of what I think you should do. I can't give you recommendations because I'm not a fi financial advisor and on, I'm not licensed. And on top of that, I don't understand your finances well enough to, you know, ultimately to give you said advice. I don't understand you, your, your risk tolerance, your investment preferences. Okay, I, I couldn't even hope to give you advice on what you personally need to do. If you, you can buy gold, you can buy silver, you can buy Bitcoin. Bitcoin is, is on the rise right now. In fact, Bitcoin broke past a very, very heavy resistance level. If you're looking at price charts, um, it broke past a heavy resistance level and is now looking like it's going to rise to another resistance level. So Bitcoin is looking to be pretty bullish at the moment. I'm not suggesting you should go invest in it. Okay. I'm just saying that it's looking like it's going to continue higher. And I've always been relatively a pessimist against Bitcoin, but it, that's the, that's what's happening. Gold is on the rise. Silver is on the rise. People are flooding into these assets because they're largely because they're worried about what's going to happen in the future. You see, gold and silver are not good stores. They're not good investments per se. What they are is they're good stores of value. They hold their value fairly well. That said, even in the last 2008 financial crisis, gold and silver still dropped. 
I think gold dropped somewhere around to $600 an ounce. Now, it wasn't anywhere near as high when it dropped to that, st to that point, but it still fell. Same is happening for silver. If um, all of this stimulus stuff comes out and if we, we actually do hit a point in the financial markets where the financial markets tank even greater than they did um, earlier, then if that happens, gold and silver will drop as well. Okay, so if, if you think that it's within your interest, your self-interest to go ahead and buy gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, that's great. Look, I'm not, I don't, they haven't done this whole injecting money into the economy directly through this app yet. They haven't done this yet, but they're talking about it. They're talking about it, and that is the scary part. So this is something to be on the lookout in the future, maybe the near future, maybe this year, maybe next year. Your guess is as good as mine. Okay, they don't exactly give a date, but given given the fact that there is going to probably be another possibility for a crash, maybe this year or next year, um, they, they could they could do this. I I don't know. Hopefully they stay away from this, but they they very well could. So guys, you need to be aware of this. The best thing, if I will give you any recommendation, it is this, and it's not financial advice. Okay. Again, I'm not a licensed professional. Any risks that you take are everything that we do here is is comes with a certain level of risk. You may lose all or everything amount of your money, and any performance that I'm achieving, guys, is uh, is 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 virtually. I mean, I'm not really making any money doing this. This is just because I love it. So I'm not really achieving any performance. Okay, so take it for what it's worth. But I know what I'm talking about. And the only advice here that I'd give you is you need to invest in your own human capital. You need to invest in yourself because that is the only way, I repeat, the only way that you are going to be able to ensure that you are valuable to your employer or, I mean, in, in reality, you need to take control of the source of your income. You need to take control of the source of your income. You need to teach a skill. You know, the information business is an amazing one. It comes with very, very high return on investments with very, very low investments. You know, uh, you, you could get involved in, in Forex trading like I am. Uh, you know, hey, if you're interested in Forex trading, you'll go check out Tier 1 Trading. I'll put the link in the description below. You know, Forex trading is an amazing, amazing skill. And once you master it, you will have the ability to make money. And yeah, Tier 1 Trading is going to gonna. gonna do you right, okay? They're going to set you in the right direction. So if you're interested in that, go check them out. Um, you could get like a, I think a 14-day trial or some some kind of a, a free trial uh, if you go there and whatnot. And, and so you can see what they offer and all that kind of stuff and make that decision for yourself. But that said though, how do you like that for a transition? That was actually pretty good. Uh, anyways, that said though, what you need to do is invest in yourself. That's the recommendation I would give to you. Okay, invest in you. If you don't know a lot of skills that you think other people would value, that assuming you want to do information marketing and sell information, then you need to learn some skills. Go to Skillshare.com. Here's another pitch for my my affiliate program, but go to Skillshare.com, guys. They typically will give you like a month for free, sometimes more, and Skillshare.com has hundreds and thousands of courses for you guys. I mean, I've used it for tons of stuff from website design to email marketing to YouTube ads, and they have courses on there on how to fly drones, and they have a ton, a ton of stuff. But the best thing that you guys can do is is invest in yourself. And the, the number one skill, if you're looking to, to, to uh, do a skill, because I know there's a lot of people out there who are like, I don't know what skills I should focus on. Okay, that's fine. I mean, there's tons of skills out there for you to choose from. And, and that can make it difficult for you to choose. In my opinion, learn how to sell and then learn how to market. 
selling and marketing. They sound gross. A lot of people, they think of car salesmen when they think of sales. Look, you don't have to do it that way. You can get so good at sales to the point where people come to you for your products. Basically, you create a lot of free content, you give them a lot of value, and they love all the free value that you gave them, and they come to you saying, hey, do you have anything to sell? Because I like your stuff. I want to sell from you. I've done this. When I was looking on how to do YouTube ads, I went to YouTube and I found a few YouTubers who did a ton, a whole email course and tons of basically free content on how to do YouTube ads. And then now I'm looking into their stuff and saying, hey, do you have a course for me to buy. I liked your free stuff. I think your stuff is good. Thank you so much. You provided a lot of value to me. Is there anything more? And, and then they're like, oh yeah, of course. Now I haven't bought any courses yet, um, but I was looking to see, and I would like to buy courses maybe from them someday. But the reason is because they gave me value. They built that level of trust. You want to build trust when nobody knows you, give them stuff for free. Give them your best stuff for free. Learn how to sell. This is the way of selling. I'm telling you, this is how you sell in a non-disgusting way. We'll actually do this, uh, a whole episode on this later, but this is, um, this is how you would do it. You give them your best stuff for free. You provide them value and then they will come to you wanting to know more and asking to actually give you money. Okay. So you can learn, so you need to learn how to sell and then you need to learn how to market. Guys, if you know how to sell, you will be one of the last people that will ever uh, be out of food, you know, a job or anything of the sort. But if you know how to market, that's when you scale. Marketing helps you to reach a lot more people. It helps you to target the right kinds of people. It helps you to figure out who you need to target. target marketing is really, once you learn how to sell, marketing is how you escalate that. It's how you, it's how you grow that. All right? So guys, hey, that being said, this episode, uh, we're, we're at the end of the episode. So guys, look, you need to invest in yourself. That's the only advice I'm going to give you. We are going to be in a very, in some dire straits here. I believe that we will. There's a high possibility of it. And I don't know whether it's going to be a depression or, or a very, very deep recession. I don't know, but we're not done yet. There's a lot of bad economic uh, signs on the horizon. And in the end, you just need to be aware of it and you need to start planning against it. Again, uh, you know, I can't give you investment advice. We talked about other people liking gold gold and silver and things of that nature. If that is, if, that, if that's something you want to do guys, then Hey, you know, look, I don't even have a place for you to go for, for that kind of stuff. I own some silver, you know, take that for what it's worth. That's not a recommendation, but you know, go, go see, go, go do some research, go hit up investopedia.com go to Google, go do some research on what are good investments to hedge against inflation. If you're interested in that, but in the end guys, that's not going to help you put food on the table. That'll help you maintain value in your money. If you're afraid of inflation, Okay, it won't help you put money on the table. You need cash flow for that. So invest in your skills, increase your cash flow, and ultimately look and try to find ways to become financially free and take control of the source of your income. That's the best advice I can possibly give you. So guys, if you are interested in any of that, you've got tier one trading, you've got Skillshare. Also, you know, I'm going to I'm going to pitch one more. Jason Stapleton, he's a big mentor of mine. I've been following him for years. Absolutely amazing guy. He's got like a YouTube channel. He's got a whole bunch of other stuff. But Jason Stapleton has a really really great course called the Iconic Mastery Program. I think it's called that. It's a, it's expensive. And I'll put the link in the description below. It's expensive, but it is a great course, an absolutely amazing course that will teach you how to build your reputation up, how to build your brand. 
and it will teach and he will teach you how to sell he'll teach you how to do a whole host of wonderful things that if you're interested in taking control of the source of your income really you, you need to consider so guys if you're interested in any of this go check that stuff out go check out those people they're amazing people they will help you they will not turn you down the wrong path skillshare is great tier one training for forex trading is great the skills that they teach in, in tier one trading can be applied to any market by the way it's technical analysis so uh just learning how to read the charts and stuff it can be applied anywhere but it's really really good stuff and when it comes to jason stapleton i mean that that's applicable to almost any business whatsoever i mean that's applicable to just about everything so guys look it's amazing stuff that they're do that, that that they're doing so go check them out if you want to support the show if you want to also learn it's good skill at the same time go check them out and you'll do and you'll do both and i will be forever grateful to you that said though hey if you like this show make sure to, to hit that like button wherever you are smash the like button you know f hit the follow button you know if you're on youtube hit the bell icon so that you can get notified of any time we post videos here and you know if guys help me grow this message and get this this information out there. More people need to know what's coming down the line. More people need to be aware of it. Help me get this message out there. And also, more people need to understand it and, and learn about this ideology of taking control over the source of our income because it's a very empowering message. Okay? It's a very empowering one. Look, I lived through an eviction. When my wife first got married, we were living with some friends and our friend lost his job. My wife and I were just working part-time. We didn't we we paid rent to some extent, but you know, they were obviously doing the rent was dirt cheap, you know, because they were trying to help us out and my friend and his family, they lost their job and we all got kicked out of a house. My stuff was out on the front lawn. We're still friends, you know. I it wasn't it wasn't their fault. But what I'm saying is I've lived through an eviction. I've been kicked out on the street before. I've been kicked out on the front yard before. Luckily, I yes, my wife and I, we had a place to go But after that. But still, it was bad. I know what it's like to live when you don't have any money. I know what it's like to, to get evicted from your house. And I'll be honest, I'm hoping and praying that my wife doesn't lose her job because if she does, we might be out of this the house that we're living in right now. I know what it's like, okay? So guys, you need to take this seriously. And if you like this stuff, please get it out to as many people as you think are going to listen. Look, odds are if you like this, somebody else is going to. So share it. Get it out there. Share it on social media, Facebook, Twitter. Share it, pump it out, Pinterest, Instagram, wherever you are, please share the show. Don't just like and subscribe, but I mean, those things, if you, if you do all that for me, I love all that too, and I will forever be grateful, but also share the show because that's the only way we're going to get this message out there, financial freedom and, and personal empowerment. It's the only way we're going to get this message out there. I think we can change the world if we genuinely get it out to as many people as we can. But we got, but I need your help to do that. So guys, if you do that, thank you so much. I love you guys for coming here each and every time to listen to me. And yeah, hey, I'll see you guys in the next episode. Have a great week. Know the risks, plan accordingly, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>